This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Screenplay. Based on a true story. Working title. Acts of Resistance. Exterior, Maison Blanche Airport, Algiers, day, June 1969. Establishing shot of runway, heat shimmering off the tarmac. Towards the camera, a Pan Am jumbo comes into land. Cut to interior of aircraft cabin, mid-shot of an African-American woman mid-twenties. She wears a black polo neck and leather jacket. Buttons adorn the jacket. One reads, Black Power. Close on her face, she's tense, sweating. As the plane touches down, she puts her head in her hands. Relief. Medium shot, exterior, plane steps. Passengers disembark. The woman emerges from the aircraft door. She pauses, looks around. She's heavily pregnant. Cut to arrivals hall. A group of ten men and women wait expectantly, excitedly. They also wear leather jackets and the same buttons. Some carry machine guns. The pregnant woman was Kathleen Cleaver, and she was on the run. Kathleen's husband, Eldridge, had already left, skipping the U.S. after a 90-minute shootout. Now it was time for her, too, to make a getaway. But this pair were no Bonnie and Clyde. Their aims were political, not criminal. Black power was their cause. The U.S. government was their enemy. And the Black Panthers were their party. And the Panthers were born in Oakland, California. Radical and angry, the Panthers rejected the legitimacy of the American government. And they had Washington scared, really scared. And that meant wiretaps, infiltration. You know the drill. When the CIA closed in, there was only one place the Panthers could feel truly safe, Algeria. Algiers had become a hotbed of anti-imperialism. And the Algerian government felt kindly towards the Panthers. So kindly, they granted the Panthers their very own embassy. And the ambassadors presiding over this unusual diplomatic mission step forward Eldridge and Kathleen Cleaver. Cleaver was born in Dallas, Texas. Her father was an academic who joined the Foreign Service. The family traveled the world. Cleaver was angry. She had reason to be. White supremacists murdered her childhood friend. Cleaver was done with the compromises of the mainstream civil rights movement. When a new outfit popped up in Oakland in 66, it was a perfect fit. Jasmine Young of UCLA. Kathleen Cleaver's contribution to the Black Panther Party is substantial. It is groundbreaking. She was actually the first woman to be on the Central Committee. She gave herself the title Communications Secretary. And so under her guidance, the party issued press statements. They hired photographers. They were in conversation with the news media, and they were able to generate their own buzz and press about what the party stood for, what the party was actually working towards. Without her being there, I don't think we would know the party as we do today. The Black Panther Party promised radical action, a wrecking ball to the status quo, because the Panthers weren't just campaigners. We have to understand, violence is necessary because America made it necessary. Violence is a part of America's culture. Violence is as American as cherry pie. 2nd of May, 1967, Sacramento. California State Capitol, day. 
aerial shot of the front plaza of the Capitol building. A group of 40 individuals walk purposefully towards the Capitol steps. Tracking shot of these individuals. 30 African Americans, 25 men, 5 women. March defiantly. They are heavily armed. Cut to medium shot. Governor Ronald Reagan, close by, is meeting a group of school children. Close on Reagan. Police officers bundle him into a car. Close on berets, sunglasses, bandoliers of shells, pistols on hips, rifles slung across shoulders. The marchers gain access to the Capitol building. Interior. The group march towards large wooden doors, pushing them open. The Black Panthers are on the floor of the state legislature. Cut to present day. A man sits on a bench in a quiet park in West Oakland, California. This is where the Black Panther Party was born. The man is Waldo Martin. Armed self-defense is an important tradition in the black freedom struggle. You could not fight violence without fighting back. But it was never an offensive violence. The idea was we fight to protect ourselves. We fight to extend our rights. The dominant idea was the approach personified or represented by Martin Luther King Jr., which was nonviolent civil disobedience. A lot of African Americans, especially young African Americans and more militant African Americans, felt the need for what they would have characterized as a more aggressive, militant posture. Black folks feel we built this country up and we will burn it down. Blame World War II. California got rich on migration. Workers flocked from across the U.S. to shipyards, aircraft, and armaments factories. But when the war ended, the jobs dried up. Whites fled to the suburbs. Black ghettos were left behind. Ghettos with bad housing and bad schools. Ghettos policed by white cops. White cops who could be violent, brutal. By 66, it was time for action. The Panthers took up arms. For them, America's black population was just another colony of the United States. Only this colony happened to be in the mother country. Los Angeles police fighting a gun battle with the militant Black Panthers when they raided their headquarters. Kathleen and other women would be key players. Present day, what? The epicenter of the black power movement in 60s L.A. The party reflected, in some respects, what was happening in the larger society. So we live in a society that's patriarchal. We live in a society that privileges men over women. So you see these same things taking place in the party. And at the same time, women in the party will tell you that it was in the party that they also were able to envision a different type of world, right? And so that world was one free of racism, free of sexism, free of capitalism, free of white supremacy. And so there's that tension within the party. We begged the federal government. That's all we've been doing, begging, begging. It's time we stand up and take over. Yet the party was not adored by everyone. Many black people found all those rifles, berets, and uniforms too much, too extreme. But guns were only part of the story. This park where we are now was ground zero for a lot of the social community-based programs that the party ran. You had to provide for the basic material needs of the people. You could not expect them to adopt a politics. You could not expect them to struggle if they were hungry, if they didn't have a job, or if they were struggling in all these other areas. So programs, the most important being free breakfast for children, free ambulance programs, buses to visit relatives in prisons that are you know, hundreds of miles away. For a time, at least, the Black Panther Party were all-powerful. 
and the federal government was scared. The party was commanding wide support and inspiring other minorities. Mark Stein of San Francisco State University. In 1969, there developed intense connection between social movements in San Francisco. So a new generation of gay liberationists saw themselves as connected to the counterculture, to the women's liberation movement, to the black power movement, and especially to the Black Panthers, which had been founded next door to San Francisco in Oakland, California. So this new generation used phrases like gay power, obviously modeling themselves on black power. The phrase gay is good was modeled on black is beautiful. And they rejected the older strategies and tactics of the homophiles, which was the term that had been used to describe the activists of the 50s and early 1960s. And the Panthers hooked up with the anti-war movement, too. It was a strange brew. The Panthers with their armed revolution, the hippies with their peace, love, and understanding. So yes, the counterculture was a curious thing. Before it, the tech geeks would often have taken defense jobs. Not now. All of a sudden, people didn't want to do that. Leslie Berlin of the Silicon Valley Archives at Stanford University. There was a real belief that technology, computers in particular, were going to make the world a better place. They didn't want to be working in the defense industries. And that freed them up to work in the consumer electronics companies. So Silicon Valley is this sort of braiding of technical threads and cultural threads. And key among those cultural threads is the counterculture. But by 69, the anti-war movement was nearly played out. Fade in. Exterior, early afternoon, University College, Berkeley, May 1969. Aerial shot of Telegraph Avenue. Thousands of protesters fill the streets, hurling bottles, bricks, and rocks at police. A squad car is on fire. Wide shot. Police reinforcements arrive armed with batons. Clouds of tear gas engulf the protesters. The rooftops are lined with onlookers. Into frame, police officers armed with rifles. They take aim at nearby rooftops and fire. Medium shot, one of the rooftop onlookers drops to the floor. The man died. And the day became known as Bloody Thursday. Governor Ronald Reagan declared a state of emergency and the anti-war movement entered its final chapter. Hippie Berkeley was just a few miles from Oakland where the Black Panther Party was also unraveling. Rocked by splits, the Panthers' political influence was flagging. Its demise helped along by Uncle Sam. I think the greatest threat and the ultimate reason I think the party declined was the repression of the party by the federal government through the FBI. They saw the Panthers as threat number one. And so they helped to destroy the party. I mean, they murdered leaders. They bore from within. They had agent provocateurs who did all kinds of things and blamed it on the party. Kathleen returned to the U.S. in 75. She earned a degree from Yale and became a lawyer and divorced Eldridge. About their relationship, many questions remain. There are allegations that Eldridge Cleaver was physically abusive to her, that there are stories where people describe her coming to meetings with, you know, really dark sunglasses, presumably covering black eyes. These claims have not been substantiated by Kathleen. But I think that these are conversations that absolutely need to be had and scholarship definitely needs to be done on 
domestic violence within the party and outside of the party at that time. She's been very protective of him and his image. And the Panthers? By 1980, they were history. Black power was over. The more things changed, the more they remained the same. The kinds of issues that confronted African Americans in the late 60s, early 70s, I think persist. Economic powerlessness and discrimination. African Americans in California have not proportionately benefited from the extraordinary wealth generated in California in the last 20, 30 years by Google, Facebook. The hippies, on the other hand, their legacy would last far longer. In fact, take the idealism of the hippies, add market economics, and what have you got? Well, you got Silicon Valley. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. Next time, shots fired at City Hall. The mayor and a city councilor are dead. San Francisco is in an uproar. The new mayor must restore calm. The new mayor's name, Diane Feinstein. The Californian Century is narrated by me, Stanley Tucci. The academic consultant is Dr. Ian Scott of Manchester University. Sources for this episode include Black Against Empire by Joshua Bloom and Waldo Martin. Sound is by John Boland and the editor is Philip Sellers. It's a BBC Radio Documentaries unit production for BBC Radio 4. The series is written and produced by Lawrence Grizel. Henry Akeley disappeared from his home on the edge of Rendlesham Forest somewhere around the end of June 2019. They come every night now. The police don't believe me in Please, I just need you to get in touch. What we uncovered is a mystery that has sent us deep into England's past. To an area steeped in witchcraft, the occult, secret government operations. Now we have multiple sites of five lights with a similar shape carpet. And something that might indeed be altogether otherworldly. <laughs> this is The Whisperer in Darkness. Available now on BBC Sounds.